Mortgage pros, welcome to the Stronger Together podcast. Thanks for joining. Austin Nemec, Executive Vice President here at QLMS. Thanks for joining. Excited about today. We have a very diverse guest, Mr. Derek Gutierrez out of Corona, California, the owner of Authority Mortgage. Derek, how are we doing today, my friend? I'm doing great. Uh, Southern, Southern California, you know, it's good, you know, besides the traffic, but, uh, you know, the weather's beautiful, so that's always nice. <laughs> so we don't have the traffic, but the weather, it's a little dicey. It's icy, it's snowy, but it's a, it's a winter wonderland, so. Right. Well, good. So, Derek. Christmas. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a little, it's, ex- Christmas has expired, so, um, it's, but it's still hanging around, but it's all good. Right. We love it. So, thanks for joining. Awesome. Um, I know you're a busy yeah. guy. Um, you're on fire. You're doing a heck of a job with production this year. So we appreciate you taking the time. So yeah, what I would you. love for you to do for the listeners, you know, you've been in business hack for 25 plus years in this industry. If you could in, in 95 seconds or less, take us back to the, back to 1992 when you got into the industry, why, and then take us to where you're at today. All right. That sounds good. I'll, I'll make that quick. Um, it's quite an interesting story. I was, I was married with a kid, living with my parents, and my next-door neighbor came across the street and hit me up and said he liked my personality and thought I'd be good in the business. And he had uh, he had owned a mortgage company and was building it and said, come here and check it out. And I was actually a full-time student. I had the delusion of thinking I was going to be a doctor one day. Um, like with a, a, a medical uh, doctor? A, a medical doctor. It's ambitious. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, but the 2.5 GPA didn't really help me out. So um, he hit me up and he's like, just come check it out. And, uh, you know, at the time I walked over there to his office after school and um, he's like, yeah, these guys are making five grand a month. Well, you know, 1992, 5,000 bucks was like, wow, that's way better than my $1,500 I'm making at Sizzler yeah. waiting tables. And uh, so I, I gave it a go. And, uh, I worked, I worked my tail off and I was successful at it and I became one of his uh, top producers. And about seven years after working with him, I decided to leave to go work for a big company because I wanted to know how a big giant company operated. I worked there for about a couple years and then I left and I started a partnership with a still very, very close friend of mine. We had a company called uh, concept lending in Newport beach, California for about four years. Um, until my wife had a life-changing accident and I was just too far from home and I had a split from him and I established authority mortgage in 2004 right here in my hometown and I've been going going strong ever since and um, now authority mortgage has gone through a number of changes you know for anybody that's been in the business a long time the mortgage meltdown pretty well crushed me you know I lost everything yeah but I uh, got back on my feet uh, and basically just got back on my feet, got some money back together and started building my company again. And, uh, that, you know, brings you to this point. I also established uh, a real, became a realtor and established a real estate company that allowed me to do that as well. So that that way I had dual income from one industry. So I wasn't pigeonholed into, you know, being stuck on, you know, rates stayed low or rates went high. I could still make money even without that in the real estate industry. Great. Yeah. You're a diverse guy. You have great perspective. So listen, there's a lot of brokers listening to this that are looking to um, build realtor relationships, 
long lasting realtor relationships. And you know, you see it from both, both ends of the spectrum, being an LO and being a real estate agent. So what advice would you give to the folks that are trying to build these relationships? How do you get the tension, the attention of a new realtor? And then once you do, what are some best practices of how you can earn more business? What, what I found, and interestingly enough, in, in our mortgage industry, you know, we don't have, um, would you say like a, like a board of real estate, like we do here. Yeah. So you can go to different regions and there's the board. Well, that's the biggest thing. Um, the board of real estate is very active in different events and, and types of programs like that. So the number one thing that I've been able to do is I am very, very active at the board of real estate. Uh, I go to their events. I participate. Um, I, as a matter of fact, I actually chartered the uh, Inland Gateway Association of Realtors first speaking club. Uh, if you're familiar with Toastmasters, yeah. I chartered a Toastmasters for the board of real estate. And that put me front and center of everybody in the board. And I'm now, literally Derek, now the you, go-to guy. Are you sponsoring these events as an LO or are you sponsoring these yeah. events as a realtor? Or both? Um, I'm sponsoring as um, an LO. Okay, great. So it's interesting. Even though I'm a realtor, but everything that they have is authority mortgage. Yep. So, so that's really how they know me. But yes, you can sponsor breakfasts, and then those give you an opportunity to get in front of the people that attend these meetings. And you get to say, hey, here's who I am. These are the type of programs I offer. This is my skill set. This is uh, my niche. These are the things I do. You hang around, you get to know them. Um, you're not just going to walk in and realtors are going to jump towards you. Yep. It's a, it's a relationship building opportunity. And it's something that you have to go to consistently to get to know these people. Um, <laughs> they like to drink, so they like to have their drinking parties and different things like that. Yep. And uh, you go and you mingle. And that's really what it is. You know, you just, you just can't show up and, and start hard selling realtors on how great you are. They're, they're not going to do that. The, so it's a, so it's a, a slower, it's a slower play. So you, you it's it one thing to, play. one thing to sponsor it and to show up. It's another thing to present. And it's another thing to have patience. What are some of the things you think real estate agents would want to hear in that 20, 30 minute presentation? You know, I, you know, that's a tough one because I think what happens is people always want to tell you, Oh, my turn times are fast. Yep. My rates, my rates are good. You know, my rates are low. My fees are low. Uh, people, I, I hear when other loan officers get up and pitch all that. And I think to myself, it's like, that's not really what it's about because not all loan, you know, you figure not all lenders have low rates, but yeah. yet there's a lot of lenders that don't have great rates that have massive production. So how, how do you establish that? I think ultimately it is letting people know the experience that you have, maybe suggesting some of the tough deals that you've had to, you know, get through, um, how you deal with your customers, you know, uh, do you, do you touch them directly? Or are you the key point of contact? Do you pass them off to, you know, a processor or an inside AE and then you never talk to them again? Yep. Agents build relationships with their clients. A lot of times loan officers don't, you know, it's a wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. It's, it's a quick process and you're busy working the deal. But I think more importantly, it is truly, truly, truly a relationship built process. Now, I will also say that there's a difference between seasoned agents and new agents. 
nowadays, most real estate companies uh, do a lot of in-house training. Yep. And the very first thing they do with a green agent is they go, well, here's our inside. Here's our inside lender. So, and, and a new agent can't, they, they don't know the difference between a good loan officer and a loan officer who's not listed. Yep. They, they are just establishing whether or not you can, they can get along or you're the same personality type. You know, that's another thing. Know your personality type. If, if you're kind of passive, you know, easygoing, then a hardcore aggressive realtor is probably not going to be a good fit for you because, you know, birds of a feather flock together, personality types, you know, they come together, understand your personality type and make sure that that agent's a good fit for you because you don't want an agent that's going to constantly be bitching at you for not hitting your key markers or getting the deal closed. So that, that would be, you know, that would be my key advice. It's good advice. So if you're a broker out there, look, research, Google, find the board of real estate in your area, reach out, invest, maybe in events, participate, sponsor. And when you get up there, try to differentiate yourself, not just about turn times and price and speed, but what are some of the unique things that make you different than other brokers? And then find the real estate agents that you get along with, that you can build a long-term relationship that you'd want to work with a long time. That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because these are people you're going to spend time with. I mean, because there's no local mortgage branches that are doing golfing tournaments or you know doing anything for the homeless or habitat for the human, you know, habitat for humanity. These are all things that realtor groups do. Um, you won't find smaller uh, like mortgage broker associations that are doing these things. Yeah, it's great advice. So, Derek, Thank you. you know you've been in the industry since '92. I'm sure you've made a lot of decisions, some good ones, some bad ones. And hopefully, you know, some of the best ways to learn is by listening to those who have done it before you and then learning from them. So, you know, if you had to look back at authority mortgage and you could like reverse one decision you made over the last 25 years, or maybe make a decision that you didn't, what's one thing that you kind of regret that maybe others listening to this can learn from? Oh, wow, man. Yeah, you're right. There's a lot of decisions in there. Um, You know, some good, some bad. I, I would have to say some of the poor decisions. I mean, I think it's just being a business owner at a young age. And, uh, I really wasn't that good at hiring loan officers, quite honestly. Yeah. And I, I just kind of went instinctually with, Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. I like you. And more importantly, you know, I wanted to fill desks. You know, I, I basically, I bought an office with, and I built desks and phones and I did all that. And my whole goal was to hurry up and fill them up. And, I did. I made a lot of poor decisions with regards to the quality of people that I was hiring because I was so much more concerned with filling the seat. You know, mathematically it all worked out. Okay, if I give you this number of leads and you make those calls and you convert these deals, then it's going to create this level of profit. Cool. That's easy to do. Well, that's not easy to do for everybody. Um, I spent a lot of money on marketing and I didn't pay attention. You know, I was making good money, but I was throwing money away to loan officers that weren't making calls and I just wasn't paying attention to them. And ultimately it ended up hurting me in a really, really bad way. You know, uh, another thing is, you know, you have to be able to see the writing on the wall as well. So when all of these things don't merge together, you have to learn how to cut bait. 
Yeah. And I'm, I'm the type of individual that is, you know, I give everybody the benefit of the doubt and then I give them more benefit of the doubt. And I've had to learn how to really look at things pragmatically and go, now's the time. I, I need to make these decisions. And, uh, you know, I also did the same thing during the meltdown. I held on and I held on and I held on and I diluted all of my savings until eventually um, it was just me. You know, I had to let everybody go. I basically spent all my money that was I should have saved trying to keep things afloat instead of realizing, hey, I need to downsize. I need to make a move. And uh, because it's easy, we make a lot of money. You know, you know, some of our checks are pretty big and they can add up pretty quick. And you can't be delusional in the thought that you can go three, four, five months and not make enough money to run the show. Yeah. So, so those I would say were, you know, some of the poor decisions. Uh, one of the best decisions that I ever learned and ever made was really actually becoming more of an underwriter. Yeah. That was the biggest thing is I was taught early on, uh, you know, if your underwriters love you, they're going to want to pull your file and work on them first. If you do a good job setting your skills up, put your files together right, and knowing what underwriters want and look for, then your files are going to go smoothly. And that was one of the big things. I studied guidelines like crazy. And um, I became extremely proficient in understanding loan files, everything that was needed to get you in those way. That's great. So there's, there's a lot of good stuff to unpack there. So one thing that I wrote down is, you know, you give people the benefit of the doubt and... I don't know if you mentioned that was a good thing or a bad thing, but I'll tell you this, that's a good way to run a business in my opinion, as long as you pay attention because you can find out so much about somebody, their decision-making, who they are, um, their intent. You can find out so much faster by giving them that benefit of the doubt and extending trust and then figuring it out fast versus withholding the trust and not giving the benefit of the doubt. And it could take years to see someone's true color. But to your point, when you're extending trust and giving folks the benefit of the doubt, you better be watching. You better have a high level of awareness to see what they do with that trust. And that's how you can move yeah. fast and grow and make those decisions fast. Is this, someone, is, this, is this a good culture fit that I can build a business on or not? The fastest way to find out is to extend that trust. Now, you also mentioned yeah. that you um, one of your regrets a little bit was, was hiring fast and not paying attention. If you had to go back, would you continue to hire fast and just pay more attention or would you slow the hiring down? I would slow the hiring down. Okay. And, and the reason being is that what I found is, you know, when you're hiding in your office, I don't say hiding in your office, but I mean, that's wrong. But when you're in your office, putting your head down and working your ass off, right? Yeah. Yeah. Basically, you know, I I was doing LO work too, but you know, I was, I was a managing LO is really what I was, even though as a broker of my own shop. But I was in the, in my office trying to get deals done. Um, you know, I was trying to fix the deals that came to my desk. So a lot of times I wasn't getting out of my office and I wasn't going over to their desk. You know, I wasn't, you know, have my ear to the wall, listening to what they were saying. Um, and I wasn't, I wasn't practicing with them what it was I was practicing with myself. So as an example, I'm super big on personal development. And, I, you know, from speaking, I've been speaking for 20 years. I've been reading books, personal development. I, I enjoy it very much more than I listen to the radio. And those skill sets that I've learned, I was literally keeping them to myself to make myself better, but I wasn't 
taking, you know, an hour and going, sitting with an LO and go, Hey, I was listening to what you were saying. Here's maybe a better way of saying it. Try to use more positive words, really listen to what the client you know, is saying, what are their needs, you know, evaluate what their needs are, try to, you know, answer those needs and, and make a decision with them with a key solution. I wasn't doing that. So while I was getting better, they weren't getting better. And that was where I felt like my shortcoming was because I could have spent a little bit more time instead of focusing on having more, I could have done better with less and made them better and help them make more money, which would have created a better culture within my office. It's great. It's great advice. Someone gave me that advice years ago. You know, the advice was when you make the decision to be a leader, then everything changes. And part of that is when you read a book as a leader, you're not reading the book for yourself. You're throwing it away yeah. unless you're reading the book and then sharing it with everyone you, you lead. And then if you're listening to a podcast, it's not, you're a leader now. It's not your own self-development. You're digesting that information and then injecting it into all the folks that you lead. Um, and so yeah. it's a great point. Um, personal development as a leader means you're developing yourself so that you can quickly duplicate it in everybody else that relies on you for success. That's good. Yeah. It's, it's copy, you know, it's making a carbon copy of myself. So yeah. the better you get at making yourself better than carbon copy yourself into everybody else. Yeah, that's great. So you mentioned personal development and books, um, you know, for brokers listening to this podcast, what is a book podcast, something that you've read or digested that, you say, wow, everyone needs to read or listen to this. Uh, Brian Tracy, you know, again, you know, I'm, I'm a little old school. So, you know, my stuff was all Jim Rohn, Tom Hopkins, yeah. Brian Tracy. Brian Tracy is really like my all time favorite. Um, what, what I did is when I was commuting and, you know, depending on people commute, but I listened to nothing but Brian Tracy, everything he's ever had, um, the psychology achievement, higher achievement, and I really got to know myself, but I made a commitment to listen to it whenever I drove anywhere. I didn't listen to the radio. I, you know, did the, made my car into a school and I listened to it over and over and over and over again until his words, his thoughts, his philosophy, his ideas, they all became mine. And, and what really helped me is because I was a part of Toastmasters, I begin to develop all that information into speeches. And so what I begin to discover is that, oh my gosh, I'm literally turning into Brian Tracy, the way that I say things, the way that I was listening, uh, well, say things and listening. But I essentially, um, his thoughts and ideas all became mine. And um, I began to develop in a key way. And that was really catapulted my success is just, the philosophy and understanding myself and how to interact with people, uh, how to recognize when I'm not saying things a particular way, you know, how, how to say everything with a positive intent versus a negative intent, how to use my tone and my inflection in my voice, how to slow down for somebody that is, I'm talking to a sweet little old lady and I need to slow my tone and my tempo down so that I can talk to her properly. Versus the fast business guy that, hey, man, let's get it done. What's the next step? Where are we going? You know, tell me what. And those were the key things that I got from the psychology achievement and higher achievement platforms within Brian Tracy. And then everything else is just everything else. 
you know, uh, Jim Rome, you know, you are where you are because of the thoughts, decisions, and things that you've done. That's always happened. You know, uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson was another one that I love. It's like, you know, once you make the decision, the universe will conspire to make it happen. Mm. Be resolute in your decision making so that that way your intent flows out into the universe and it draws everything that you want into your life. Yeah. And those are, those are key things. Uh, and they're simple little things, but they're just a couple key nuggets that, you know, I could hang my hat on and they've worked very well for me in my life. You know, that's not to say I don't get negative or, you know, pissed off or want to throw the phone across the room. <laughs> you know, you wake up and you think your deal's going to close and then you find out it's not. And that appraisal like, ah, comes man. in low. Yeah, you can go yeah. to moment of darkness. Mm-hmm. I've had a few of them. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, you, you, I love what you said. You made your car into a school. And, yep. you know, I we moved to Detroit 10 years ago. And my commute went from 10 minutes to almost an hour. And at first it was like, ah, man, that might be a little bit annoying. Literally my commute in uh, to work and home from work is literally like sacred. It's one of the most Mm -hmm. important times of my day because I've learned to use that time and, you know, turn it into my own little, like you said, your school. And so I always give people advice. Like if you don't have that commute, find that hour of a day where it's you and nobody else. And you're investing back into knowledge, into preparation, into inspiration. And man, I look at like, I feel like I've gone to college and back just leveraging stuff like podcasts and uh, books on, uh, you know, virtual books, all that. It's just super important, yeah. super important. But again, yeah, I, like you said, share it back to the people you lead or else it's just going to waste. It's selfish. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. Um, you know, and I'll say this too, is when I moved, because, you know, I used to commute, and then I moved my office to Corona, you know, established authority mortgage. I lost that hour yeah. and, I, and I lost that time for a while. And I remember telling my wife, I'm like, man, I am just not as sharp. Yeah. Like I really missed my commute as much as I hated it. I really missed that time I had. And, um, the way that I fix that is, um, I, I take, uh, I, I do look, you know, walk, run with my dog yep. for about an hour. Every single morning I plug in my headphones and, you know, I, I listen, I listen to a multitude of things. Um, it'd be too much to list, but that time is spent educating myself and, creating the right, the right mindset that I need, because this business will beat you up. I mean, it'll beat you up if you let it. And you gotta, you gotta be on point. You gotta be on your game. Mentally, you gotta be on point. Yeah. So Derek, you mentioned walking your dog. What, you know, when you're not doing mortgages or you're not a real estate agent, what do you do? What's life outside of loans? Um, well, um, you know, like I said, I, you know, I, I walk my dog, I do that. I, you know, I live in a nice community, so I enjoy that. Um, really being with my family, I, uh, you know, my wife stays home. I have an adult, uh, special needs son, my son, Blake, he's 27. A lot of stuff I do. Um, we are, I say we, my wife and I, we are special Olympics coaches. It's awesome. So, yeah, so we do, um, so we have bowling and we do bocce ball. So we become you know, really mentors for a lot of these kids. Cause unfortunately they're so just disenfranchised from their parents. Yeah. Um, it's amazing how many parents write their kids off because they have special needs. It's like that. So we do a lot with the kids for special Olympics, um, as well as, uh, my wife and I, we are marriage preparation, um, presenters 
Wow. So for the Catholic Church, yeah, it was kind of that was kind of an interesting thing that happened. But we renewed our vows in the church on our twenty fifth wedding anniversary. Congrats! And uh, twenty, yeah, a, thank you. It's a so, big milestone for sure. Yeah, well, we're 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 twenty eight years now. I'm kind of twenty eight years in everything. Twenty eight years in the mortgage business. I got a twenty eight year old kid. Well, I have a my youngest son uh, Corbin. He's up in NAU. He's twenty three. And ninety two uh, was a was a monumental year. Derek Gutierrez. Yeah, every, everything happened in 92. <laughs> I got married, had a kid, and started in the mortgage industry. Um, but yeah, so we do marriage preparation retreat weekend. So if you want to get married in the church, you have to go to um, what we call engagement encounter. And um, so we do these weekend retreats about five times a year. Uh, that's what we end up doing. And um, my son and I, we do CrossFit. So we do that three days a week. I used to race motocross um, for almost my whole life, uh, but I but I ate it really hard and busted my neck and my back and my lung. And uh, my wife said, "You need to put that away." So I don't get to do that anymore. Other than that, I just enjoy spending time with my family. You know, go to movies, hang out together, play games. Uh, that's the most important thing to me in my whole life is, you know, you get one life to live yep. and uh, I want to make the best of it with my family. Cause I used to be a really hardcore workaholic and I was never around and I missed a lot of stuff. And I found that I could create a balance in my life and uh, I just want to be the best husband, the best dad I could be. That's good. Well, you're doing a lot of good and you're doing well as well. You're, you had a great yeah. year from a production standpoint. So yeah, yeah, it was, it was a great year. It was it was a good year to come back. That's for sure. Because the year before was you know not not so great. Yeah, and uh, yeah, this year really turned a lot around for me, which is great. It's good. So as you as you peer into the future, what are you most excited about from a mortgage perspective on you know twenty twenty and beyond? Uh, you know, you know the mortgage industry. I I honestly, it's getting easier and easier in my opinion. It's good. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, used to it used to cost me a bundle to to run a mortgage shop, and now, quite honestly, it you know it really doesn't. All my business comes in referral. So one of the great things is I don't spend any money on marketing. You know, I'm not buying leads or doing any of that like I used to do. Um, I really went that route for establishing relationships. Um, the technology allows me to do business anywhere I want. Um, you know, this pretty much the entire month of December, I wasn't even in my office at all. I did everything remote, remotely, either via my phone or my laptop. And I, I could, I could literally be as successful anywhere that I wanted to be. And I didn't have to be in my office. So as I see technology, um, as I see programs that are starting to come back around that, you know, that we didn't have learning the diversity of the programs was is a key element. And, uh, you know, looking into 2025, you know, at, at a certain point, you know, I may make a decision to where I really want to, you know, start hiring more loan officers again. But then on the flip side of that coin, I really like the way that I do things now. Yeah. You know, I, I still think I have a certain negative stigma from past experience of not hiring good loan officers. And I kind of carry it out with me a little bit. You know, that little, you know, degree of regret, like, ah, you could have been better at that. And uh, sometimes there's that part of me like, ah, man, you know, I don't really want to babysit. You know, it's easy to take care of myself and, and the way I have it right now. Um, it's a lot more work, you know, if you really want to establish a big company. 
So I, I teeter taught back and forth on it, but I think, you know, the future looks good. You know, as long as, you know, in our industry, sometimes got to have good rates and, uh, you know, when they jump up all of a sudden, all those clients years and refi biz really can't do a lot for them. Unless of course they mess up their own lives and they need cash out or something like that. You know, they want to build a pool and they're willing to, you know, take a higher rate to do it. There's always that opportunity, but Ultimately, I think our business is, is going strong. Um, there's a lot of diversity in it. Just knowing everything that you can about the products is really what's going to open your door and keep your ear, keep your ear open. You know, people talking around you and always be willing to help. You know, you don't have to say, Hey, you know, I'll do your deal. Yeah. But you can always, I always tell people, Hey, if you need any help with that, give me a call. You know, you don't, you don't have to do business with me, but I know a lot about the industry. And uh, if you need someone to reflect on and ask questions, I'm, I'm happy to help you out. And believe it or not, people hit me up. Yeah. Derek, and then I, I get talking to them. I got a question because you've mentioned this a couple of different times. Like one of the best decisions you ever made is you basically in your head became an underwriter while being an LO. You just mentioned a few yeah. different times, like know the products, the products are, are coming out left and right right now, but be a pro, understand your products. Do you have a best practice of how you're staying up with the market and consuming all these new products, understanding them to be able to communicate and win business. Anything, any best practices there? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Interestingly enough, you know, a lot of it is not me actually going out and getting it. I get lots of emails. I get phone calls from, and, and as a broker, uh, maybe an LO might not get these phone calls, but as a broker, um, I'm constantly getting contacted by wholesale vendors all over the place. Yeah. And they always want to tell me their best niche product. So I'm able to, you know, I keep a notepad and I, you know, I write these things down, uh, you know, tell them they send me their rate sheets, their program guidelines, their matrix, and I read through them. I look at them and, you know, see what's there. And, uh, you know, mostly if I have questions about something like with you guys with Quicken, you know, you guys have the, uh, the upfront team. So, you know, I'll call them and I'll, I'll run a scenario by them or, you know, Jason, you know, I, I, I lean into Jason quite a bit. Hey man, can I do this this way or can I not? Your account and executive, Jason Day. Right? Yeah, my accounting executive, Jason Day. One of the he's, best. One of, he's a stud. And, and uh, yeah, you know, our relationship building, you know, it took a little bit of time for us to build a relationship. And uh, that, that's the main thing. You know, I leaned in on Jason on a lot of stuff. And, and then what I really did to become successful, because you guys, you guys get basically 99% of all my business. And what I've learned is I've learned quickly system. I know how to get deals through your system. I know how to get through quick. I mean, I can close a loan and average about 15 days with you guys. That's great. And I, and I, yeah, yeah. So that's the key thing. And, and I remember you, you know, previously we were talking about, you know, an advice to hello to be successful. And this was one thing that I really wanted to mention. A lot of the new LOs are being brought up in a business that's compartmentalized, meaning they're really not getting to know the full scope of the business you need to learn A to Z. And um, one of the guys in my Toastmasters came to me. He's a young kid, loan officer. My number one advice, take a class on how to read tax returns and corporate tax returns. Yeah. Because that's going to be really important because you're going to waste time. If you know how to go into a tax return, you know, people got rental properties or they've got schedule, schedule E, schedule C business, and you don't really know how to decipher that then you're not being the best loan officer you can be. 
you just, you don't know how to figure out their income. And so what happens is you go through all the motions and then you submit it and dump it into an underwriter's hand. And then they kick it back to you and they say, well, you got no deal here. You know, you've got the, you got 2106 expense here. You've got loss right here. You didn't add back in, uh, you know, the rental income with the tax insurance and, uh, you know, whatever deductions that they might have taken out of it. So your income's off and you have no deal. But now you spend all this time getting the deal to the table. That's the main thing I found is tax returns. Know how to figure out your income. Because that's, besides an appraisal, income is the next most important thing. Yeah. Really, I mean, it's the first most important thing. And, you, you know, go find the class. You know, look it up. Have somebody teach you. Um, go to the matrix, ask an underwriter, you know, what do you guys use? What's the form that you use in order to figure out income on a tax return? That will save you so much headache. And worse yet, you're able to establish that, use that as a key talking point when you're communicating with a client. You know, once you find out and ask the questions, I, I have a simple process that I use. It's called needs, you know, N E A D S. It's called the needs analysis. What do you have now? What do you enjoy? What would you alter about that? Understand who your decision maker is and then create that solution for them. Believe it or not, I use that just in talking to people from a communication standpoint. I use that formula in pretty much every single thing I do. If I meet you and I'm not even talking about business, hey, so what are you doing now? Oh, really? What do you like about that? Oh, is that the best? Or would you rather you know, do something else? Obviously, the decision maker part's out. But again, it's working that platform, which will allow you to get somebody talking to you, sharing with you. Yeah. And that's the most important thing is ask great questions and listen really well. Yeah. Sales is just about asking. A lot of times people think sales is analogies and, and the way that you communicate. And it's true. But yeah. probably the most powerful form of communicating is the questions that you ask and then how how great of a listener you are. Hold on. I'm writing this down. Needs is okay. now. What do you enjoy? Yep. I missed the yep. A. What's the A? Alter. Alter. What would you alter? Would you alter? Who's the decision yep. maker? And then what's the solution? Needs. You got it. That's great. So listen, Derek, this yeah. is awesome. I got a lot of notes here. You know, if you're great. new to the industry or you're trying to gain realtor relationships, you know, simply Google and figure out the board of real estate in your area. And then heck, go sponsor, break bread, have some cocktails with that group, get in front of them, understand what your unique value proposition is. Looking back, if you were to grow again and hire, you would take off your LO hat and you would get in the trenches and spend more time developing the folks that you hired uh, versus just trying to run and, and move fast. Personal development, Find out, turn whatever your quote unquote car is into a school. Maybe it is your car. Maybe it's when you're walking your dog, but have that devoted time where you can develop your brain. And if you're a leader, then take that and inject it into the folks that you lead. Um, be a pro, understand tax returns, understand the nitty gritty, because that's how you gain confidence. And it sounds like that's how people seek you out for advice and then ultimately leads to business and then needs. Now, enjoy what would you alter who's the decision maker and what's the solution it's a great way to structure a sales call but also just structure a a, a conversation with any human being about anything absolutely it's great absolutely derek and i and i would add uh, yeah. i'd add go to toastmasters toastmasters look up toastmasters yep look up toastmasters and get in there and start developing your speaking 
and communication. Love it. Best, best thing I've ever done for myself. And here I am 20 years later still doing it. Well, you're a hell of a communicator. You're doing a lot of good out there in the world, not just mortgage, but everything else. So um, we appreciate you. We appreciate the partnership. Continue to crush it. And we'll continue to work our tail ends, uh, tail ends off for you, Derek. Right on. Hey, man, this was fun. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Thank you, Derek. And thanks, everybody, all mortgage pros out there listening for joining the Stronger Together podcast. We'll see you next week. 